Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Old Chick Snowship podcast. With me today, I have Agnes Kowalski, who is a genius money mindset coach. I've been exposed to some of her work, and it really is brilliant. So we're going to talk today all about kind of the underlying thoughts and beliefs around money and how that kind of plays into us thinking about the next chapter of our lives. So, you know, as we think about starting businesses or changing careers or maybe leaving relationships or whatever that might look like, there's always some kind of a financial angle to that that can get in our way. And so we're going to dive deep on that topic today with Agnes. So welcome. I'm so happy you could join me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So I know you spent the first 15 years of your career as a therapist. And can you tell us a little bit why, about why you decided to, you know, go deep on the, in the money angle of it? Yeah, I definitely, it was self-motivated, right? I loved being a therapist, but I never quite made the money that I wanted to make. I was, I had an income ceiling that I couldn't break in my own business. And I started to wonder why I would always hear like, you have so much potential and what, you know, you could be doing so much more or so much better. And I started to wonder like why I wasn't making more money, why I wasn't charging more, why I felt blocked in those ways. And it really sent me down the rabbit hole that turned into my next career or joined with my therapy work into money mindset work because I wanted to know why, what were these blocks? What were these subconscious stories that I had going on that were stopping me from really making the kind of money that would support me in the way that I desired? Yeah, it's so interesting because money is that one thing that we just, as a society in general, we do not talk about. But it's probably the area where people have some of the biggest and deepest, like, baggage, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going (laughs) to share a little bit about, you know, I started to look at my relationship with money. And I saw somewhere somebody asked the question about, you know, if your relationship with money was like an intimate relationship, like a partner relationship, what would your relationship look like? So... (laughs) As I started to think about it in that context, I realized that I largely ignored my money. Like it kind of came in, but I paid no attention to it at all. I gave it no love until I needed something. And then Mm -hmm. I would be all over it. And I'm like, oh, so I'm basically treating my relationship with money like a booty call. (laughs) (laughs) Friends with benefits. (laughs) Yeah, like literally I would ignore it. Like just kind of, it was just there. There was this thing hanging out. I paid it Mm -hmm. no attention. And I was just like, OMG, like that is really horrible. And I'm like, I want to have a much better, more intimate relationship with my money. And like, what are all of the things that I've started to really peel away at all of the things that are kind of standing in the way of that. But I'm like, I'm just like a really, really bad boyfriend. Like a really bad boyfriend. (laughs) Well, and sometimes, you know, it could even be an abusive situation where we spend, we cheat in that way, or we, you know, overinvest in ways that we're not really doing in in total honesty, right? There's lots of uh, these emotional things going on in our relationship with money that we're really not taught to look at or we're conditioned in a certain way 
to not look at it or to not be involved with it, like you said, to sort of be disconnected from it. So I think that's a great analogy is looking at it like a truly like a relationship and what would be the status? Where would you guys be at this point? And how do you want it to be? How do you want it to look? What relationship do you want to have? Because you, you hear a lot of, you know, affirmations and money's always coming to me. And like, you hear all these good things in in self-help stuff and personal development about people who want to change it. And they're just pumping out positive affirmations, but does that really change you and does it change what's happening for you that you're creating or is it just something you're telling yourself right that's interesting so our money stories obviously run deep and it, you know like everything it's programming from the minute we came on this planet and how we saw money and how it appeared in our lives and so the whole notion of which never actually quite sat with me the whole notion of affirmation around money because it almost is a bit of a a false sense of security. Like it's like a band-aid, mm-hmm. but doesn't really address the full underneath. So how do you work with your clients then to kind of get beneath the, you know, the affirmation or the story? Yeah. So we take a look at patterns, right? We take a look at what are the patterns? Like how has money been showing up or not showing up in your life? And what's kind of the, the message that you keep getting? Is the message you know, there's never enough. Is the message, I have to work Mm. crazy hard. Is the message, it's going to take a a really long time. Is the message, it's someone else's job to provide. Like, what's the message that money, your interactions with money are sending you? Um, So that's the first place we look at, like, what's going on? And then we look at what's your desire around money, right? What do you want? What do you want? What do you desire? And are you using your desire muscle in the right way? And then are you supporting it with correct action, right? Are you just in the place of desire? Do you have no desires because you don't want to be disappointed? Like we take a look at that piece as well. And then sort of understanding the next step is really understanding where do those blocks originate and closing or completing those energetic relationships that could have started in childhood or through a marriage or through, you know, Mm. different life experiences and completing those so that we can have a brand new energetic page to start with, like a clean slate. Because otherwise, when things aren't complete, they just keep repeating. Right. So same pattern over and over again until you finally get the message and need to change that story. 100%. And they get amplified, right? If you don't have a great relationship with money and then you start a business, you just drag that stuff into the business, right? If you don't have a great relationship with money and then you get into another relationship and you never clean that up, it starts to amplify again, right? So the casualties just keep building (laughs) if you don't address it. (laughs) Right, right. So I know you talk a lot in your work about you know, your beliefs, thoughts, and actions, and how they relate to your experience with money. So let's say, for example, you have somebody who, you know, like, let's say wants to leave a career or wants to start a new career. And, you know, there's this, oh my God, okay, and I'm going to use myself as another example. It'd be like, oh, I want to do something new, but oh my God, I'm never, ever going to be able to make that amount of money again. Like, what would be the first step in beginning to kind of unwind that story? Or how do you kind of, because it's, it's a huge fear that it comes up, right? Like, it's probably the number one fear or the number one reason people give for not doing the thing that they want to do. And maybe that's yeah. part of it, right? So how do you begin to kind of work through that or get over that hurdle? I mean, there's the, you could just, okay, I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. But 
Mm-hmm. If you're supporting a family or yourself, that's kind of yeah. Risky. It wouldn't be smart, right? It wouldn't be smart <clears throat> to just you know leave everything to chance. Like it's not that's not what we're going for. What we're going for is is the compound effect of your belief, right? The way that you get yourself to the place of believing that you can make the same kind of money you used to make in a corporate environment, or something as you know something else that wasn't a business, is a couple ways. But you start to compound the belief, so you don't try to make your brain understand, I will, I, I'm just going to force myself to believe, right? Mm-hmm. That I will make the same amount of money because right. it can't go from zero experience to having evidence that you can do that. But you can say one client, why don't I get one client? Mm. How long will it take me to get one client? Right. One, your brain understands one and then it understands one plus one. Okay, I got one. Maybe I can get another one. Most people are going like way down the road, way to these goals, way to these places where they don't need to be yet. And they're skipping all these steps, you know, that are taking them off the path. Prove to yourself that you can get one client. Start there. Like slow down, right? Slow down. And often it's just like the urgency of wanting to leave something that creates this panic and desperation. That's not the energy you want to build anything on. Right. Right. You don't want to build anything on that because it's going to feel like too scary, too risky, not, and it's not going to be smart. And you can, you know, thoughts, beliefs, and actions align, um, Alignment just means that, that they respond to each other. So that can also be in the negative. We're manifesting all the time. Mm-hmm. So we're manifesting that the sun will rise because their thoughts, beliefs, and actions believe that that, you know, are aligned to believe that to be true. So the same will happen with the negative, which is why we have to be like really simplify everything. Right. Simplify, slow down, and start with smaller things. Let yourself build that, you know, wealth of evidence that it's possible. If one's possible, then something else is possible, right? right? But you're not going to get from zero to, you know, 500,000 by trying to convince yourself. You're going to get there by practice, right? By building, starting with one, starting with numbers and concepts that your brain can understand. One of the things that I talk to my clients and in general about is identity and how our own identity is probably one of our biggest limitations. Like when we want to make a big change in our lives, like we are so hooked into the identity that we have created. And for like us, you know, who are in our like our forties and fifties, and we've created this identity over time and it's become who we are. Right. And then that becomes also our prison, right? Like it becomes mm-hmm. the confines of which we operate. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that identity around money is also a huge player in that because you know, if I'm talking to a client who, you know, says, I want to build this business, but I've only ever earned $30,000 a year for my life, then my own perception of my money story, that is my Mm -hmm. money story, right? Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. totally gets in the way of that. And again, I think it's probably one of the bigger limiting beliefs, like you have a soul desire or whatever, this thing is pulling you forward, but you're going, but I can't because I've only ever earned 30 or 50 or hundred or whatever thousand dollars it is. And so do you find that that money, like that there's a money story or a money identity that plays into for sure experience? For sure. And I think this links back to what we were just talking about too, in a really nice way, because 
you can't be the same person and earn a different amount of money. You won't be able to mm. hang on to the money. Oh, that's a tweetable. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I'll say that again. You can't be the same person and earn a different amount of money. Right. You won't be able to hang on to it. Something will happen, right? Some big right. payment, some big thing. You'll be like, what? I just made this money. Now this thing is due, this tax, whatever. Random stuff that comes up for people because you haven't changed as a person. So you don't have the energetic capacity to hold it. Mm. And the sequence of really man, like shifting your identity is be, do, have. It's not have right. the money and then do the things that create the money and then become the person. It's become the person. Be the person who does the things, then has the things that that person does. Right. So that's the first place we start. Like, what is different about the version of me that makes multiple six figures, for example? What's different? What's different about that person? How do they behave differently? How do they think differently? If I don't know, if you don't know, go calibrate to someone who does. Go hang out, go read, go listen to podcasts, go listen to people who are calibrating at that place. And you'll know, you'll know whether it's BS or not immediately when you're listening to them, whether they're telling the, the kind of truth you need to hear or not. But right. there are plenty of people out there that you can calibrate to without having to spend a dime just to see what their energy is like. Go be a student of their energy. What are they like? How do they speak? Not that you're going to do, you know, mimic, but just observe what is different about their energy. Right. Right. Because, I mean, if your identity around money is, is based in lack, as in I never have enough, then hello, guess yes. what shows up, right? Right. right. Self-perpetuating cycle. And it's not that it's an easy thing to break out of, because I think that you can, you can use willpower to a very, like, t to a far point. And many people just continue to, do, to use willpower until they make it to retirement, right? So you can go that way. You can work really hard. You can force things to happen, but it's really hard to sustain. It's really mm. hard to sustain and most people burn out or they lose it or something happens or, you know, there's an inevitability to that that just doesn't last. So that's what I would say, like, go explore. What does it mean to be a person who makes that kind of money? For one, you might be making it more of a big deal than it is, right? Right, And that has a lot to do, you know, codependency comes into play a lot with people like charging certain prices makes people feel nervous, codependent, they can't afford it. Like you can sometimes be making things a bigger deal than they need to be. And you're attaching a lot of meaning to it, you know, versus like, this is what the exchange feels like that's good to me. Right. Versus I have to make this amount of money or I have to charge people this amount of money and getting all caught up in that. So study, study wealth, study all the different kinds of energy that you notice. Cause there's people who are making really good money whose energy you don't want to calibrate to. You're like, I don't want to be that stressed out. I don't want to be that mm -hmm. high strung. Right. And there's people who are in the energy that you're like, I really like how they move through the world. Right. And notice that like people generally speaking, like it depends what kind of business you're in or what kind of service you're offering. But the people who are making very good money are people who are leaders. Okay. Chances are if you're not leading and whatever, I don't care what kind of business it is. If you're not leading people, you're going to have a hard time charging people. Right. Which means you need to be able to lead yourself. Oh, leading the self. That's an interesting one. And I want to go back to something you just said a couple minutes ago about how codependency plays into this, because this is a story I find is a very common story, and especially with women. 
who that's most of my, most of the audience, right? Is that we have spent where codependency comes in is that we have spent a lifetime ignoring our own needs and our own wants in service of our families, our kids, our jobs, and everything else on the planet before ourselves. So can you talk a little bit more about how that plays into the money story? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an easy place to hide, right? To not Mm -hmm. look at our codependency. Codependency really just means I'm not okay if you're not okay. So I'm not okay if you're not okay paying my, my price. I'm not okay if you're not okay with my level of confidence, like that type of thing, right? Right. And that's a very easy place to hide, to never charge, to never make offers, to never do, just to continue to do busy work or stuff that we think is building our business, but never actually making money because we feel bad, right? We have maybe guilt around it or shame around Mm. it. Mm. And that stuff that, continues to sap us of energy, right? It will be, it will suck up our bandwidth. So I don't have the time. I don't have the agenda. I don't know why, like I should, <laughs> I should, but I don't because those are the kinds of energetic things that really suck the life out of people. Shame and guilt right. make it very hard to move forward, right? So yeah, we have this conditioning around, around codependency and that's a survival mechanism for many women right? I was codependent because it was the safest choice for me in my relationship with my parents or with my partner to be the helper and to be the caregiver and to be the nurturer and to not look out for myself, right? So you really have to look at how am I leading my children or my family or my community or my circle of friends if I'm still, or my clients, if that's what I'm still doing, right? That's a really important piece to look at. And to have a lot of compassion around yourself for, but also to do some grief work and decide, well, who am I being? Who do I want to be now, right? You don't have to continue to bring that with you. Yeah. And I know you are also a grief recovery specialist. And I, you know, I, we did a, I did another podcast, which I think is going to be the episode before this one that is talking a lot about grief. We had a grief counselor on. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about the connection between your grief story and your money story? Or in your money story, like yeah, yeah. I think there's a huge connection actually. And when I came across grief work, because my dad passed last year, and I really was looking for grief work that wasn't open ended. I wanted something that had a completion to it, that had a process mm. to it, because there's a lot of really beneficial like grief support work, therapy work, and counseling, and all of that. But there's not a lot of work that fe- that allows you to feel complete with the past. Okay. Mm -hmm. And grief is just anything is any kind of emotional reaction you would have to change. It doesn't have to be death or dying. It could be the end of a, it could be a breakup. It could be a relationship. It can be that you, that you didn't get the thing you wanted to get for Christmas. There's grief. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And you're shamed out of it. You're shamed out of not like your pain. Like you want something, you tell your parent, they say no shame, guilt, we can't afford it. How dare you ask me? Like punishment, like immediately. And this is a condition we have. We're afraid to ask. We're afraid to dream. We're afraid to desire because it could make someone else feel bad. And so to Mm. me, it's tied in so deeply with unresolved or unfinished emotional business, which is really to me what grief is. This is a huge block that I don't think is addressed in the money mindset world uh, because it's so much about moving forward. But I've been in like six-figure masterminds and I'm like, 
this is grief work. These people aren't moving forward, not because they're not, you know, not because their thoughts aren't aligned, not because they're not doing their business correctly, because there's these huge grief blocks that continue the pattern. So that's an example of how, how the money stuff can show up. Right. So you could be moving forward to something that you're like super excited about, you know, and looking forward to like starting your own business or building whatever it is, starting a charity, whatever it might be, and still have an immense amount of grief for the chapter that just ended. Right. Like, so we, we kind of tend to look at it. You're either happy or you're sad, but the reality is that we could hold both truths at the same time. Right. Like I I need, and I need to, I think it's important. Like you need to grieve. You need to have closure. Like you just said of one thing in order to move in to something else. And like, this is a conversation that I have all the time because you know, like as we are entering midlife, like we're, maybe our kids are leaving home. So we're now closing the chapter of everyday mothering, right? Like Mm -hmm. that is a cause for grief, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can feel sad about that, right? I might be leaving my career. I might be leaving a relationship, uh, like a parent dying, like all of this stuff. And like only one of those four I just said is like really considered a valid loss, (laughs) right? Yeah. You know, you hear like, oh, so not like somebody died or anything. And I'm like, well, (laughs) That's not the only reason for grief. No, and that's shaming, right? It's like yeah. well, that loss isn't isn't affecting you. When really it's I mean, just the same way, you know, I talked about compound belief. You can have compounded grief, you can have compounded negative beliefs. You and these compound over time and they truly create almost like a 3D block where you don't know why but you can't move forward because imagine from day, you know, besides being maybe a baby, but you're told don't cry, be grateful for what you have. Don't ask for anything else. These, all these things are losses and it's normal and natural. And if someone just listened to you and said, yeah, you know, it really sucks that you didn't get that thing for your birthday that you really wanted. Right. I mean, who says that? Nobody says, nobody, nobody, nobody says that. Nobody encourages parents to say, you know what? Like, oh, you're spoiled or look at all the other stuff you got. Look at what other kids don't have. These are things that are compounded over time where we just shut down the channels for our feelings, for our desires. And that is what is so directly connected to abundance. Oh, I love what, I love what you just said because this is the other thing is, you know, not allowing ourselves to dream, like not allowing ourselves to have that thing because it's like, oh, well, meanwhile, I got all this like reality practical stuff to do and like the dream is so important. Like you you have to have something to work towards. If you don't have a dream like you're just moving forward to what? And like the yeah. dream is part of pulling you forward. And again, I find, especially as women, we do not allow ourselves to go to that place because we're so rooted in the real, the everyday, the practical. And dreaming is for, you know, it's, it's a waste of time. It's for those who don't have anything else to do, right? Like how many times have you, have even kids in school, like the teacher will be say, stop daydreaming and get back to work. Yeah. Like you're never going to get a job if you daydream, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and then we wonder why we can't ask for the raise. We can't, you know, charge the prices that we want. We can't, you know, get our value or we don't value ourselves enough to be able to ask for what we want it in the realm of all things, money and everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent agree. As a society, we really work hard to <laughs> shut down, <laughs> shut down dreams. It's only cute when you're a kid, and even then, it's like they want you to snap out of it as soon as possible. And you know, it really 
conditions us to be sheep, right? To just Mm -hmm. fall in line and do what we're told and, you know, shuts down our creativity. And that's the realm of possibility. Dreaming isn't just, you know, some people equate it with fantasy, like, oh, well, that's just a fantasy. But Mm. look at the people who have made big changes in the world. They're the people who we're brave enough to dream. It takes courage to dream. It takes courage to step into the unknown. You can call it the unknown if that makes you feel like it's more, you know, intellectually, um, right. you know, uh, pleasing. But it, this is this is it, right? We're, we're we live in a world where intellect is valued over the heart, and that's really not what what makes an impactful life. Yeah. Right. It's about having a vision and a mission and just making money, you know, isn't a long-term enough vision, right? That's the, the being person who's just trying to make enough. It does, it's not sustainable over time, right? It just starts to shrink and shrink. Like the whole idea of safety becomes a prison, yeah. right? I just yeah. want to be safe. And then all of a sudden all your safe choices have created, you know, something very small and limited for you that you can't seem to get out of. Yeah. And that's like probably one of the things that I hear most in the work that I do is like, you know, we're going through life, we're going through life. Then somewhere in around like 40 past there, we go, okay, is this it? Like, is this what I'm like, is this the rest of my life? Like, I feel so confined. I feel, but we've never stopped long enough to actually question ourselves as to what, whether what we were doing is making us happy. Was it, do we get some level of satisfaction out of it? Right. Until we hit this point, then we're like, and, and this was so true for me. I mean, I had a 30 year corporate career. And I remember going into boardrooms and to be sitting there going, what the hell am I doing here? Like, this is so, doesn't mean anything to me. Like it just is so not meaningful. And that's when kind of when I was like, okay, I need to make a change. But, and then because we don't allow ourselves to dream, we've literally confined ourselves to this space. Okay. This is it. It's nice and safe and comfortable. Right. But it's making me miserable AF. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the dream is really in allowing ourselves to like dream what we would consider to be the wild and crazy, like the crazier, the better. Because if you yeah. reach far, like what is it? If you reach for the moon, you'll land amongst the stars or whatever they say, mm-hmm. right? Like, so maybe mm-hmm. it's not that huge thing, but at least you've, you've started down that road and you might land somewhere past where you were and maybe not there. Yeah. And you get to build the muscle, right? You get to build the muscle mm-hmm. where that becomes your normal and when that becomes your normal, like it's just bigger and bigger things are easier and easier. The things that you thought were hard are no longer hard, right? So it's about building that muscle. And when you look at the people who be, do, and have the things that you desire, you know, or how did they get there? Well, did they take risks? Did they do some investing that was like not a sure thing, but it was something that they were drawn to, Um, you know, this is why I think also human design plays a big part, um, mm. you know, in my work in, in helping people make decisions because it, again, being taught to value our intellect over our heart or just our energetic response to things is such a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so easy to see a kid respond energetically, whether something's like correct for them or not. 
adults are the ones that are sitting there like intellectualizing when they know, when they know maybe that they knew the marriage was the wrong marriage. They knew that business wasn't quite right, but they convinced themselves that it was right. And that's why I think human design is if, if you haven't checked out, checked it out yet, do yourself a favor and just head over to mybodygraph.com. I'm not affiliated with it in any way. And just experiment, experiment Mm -hmm. with your energetic blueprint and learn a little bit something about what's the best way for you to make decisions. Yeah. I just actually recently did that and I was a bit fascinated. Like it was very validating on a lot of things and it was eye opening on a lot of others, but it's kind of made me start to want to go down that rabbit hole even more. But yeah, it's just, it's like another tool to get to know yourself better. So you know, you talked about the be, do, and have. I think the doing, as a society, we get the doing part. We even get the having part. The being part, I think, is where we struggle. Like, how do you counsel people or work with people in the being? Like, okay, I'm this now. I'm, you know, trapped in this box of self-identity. How do I now start to shift my being to somebody, to something different? Mm-hmm. It's a process of leading yourself. Like this is a concept, the the whole leading yourself is a really important concept because whatever you're leading yourself through is something you can lead someone else through, right? right? And leading yourself is the energy. Like when you think about a wolf pack and you think about the wolf that's leading, the wolf just moves hmm. and the rest of the pack follows. And (laughs) we can't wait. We can't wait to be followed. We can't explain why we should be followed. We can't um, justify where we're going. We just have to move, right? And that's how you learn to be, right? Mm. You can emulate to a certain point. You can calibrate to a certain point. And then you just have to move. Right. Right. And this is the, you know, the part around money and responsibility that a lot of people shy away from. They don't want that responsibility. They don't want to have to lead Hmm. and they don't want to have to lead themselves. It's easier to follow. It's easier to let someone else make the decisions. It's easier to blame. (laughs) It's easier, right. Than leading yourself. But this is what I truly believe makes the difference in people who really make it and people who don't is that they take the ownership over that in such a big way. And of course, like there's life and there's things going on and there's, you know, all kinds of day-to-day stuff. But when you start thinking of your life that way, in that context, things start to change. It stops being about the dollar amount and it starts being about the impact Right. Okay. And what you're really here for and really connecting to that because just making the money, it's hard for that to be enough. Yeah. I mean, there comes a point where you're like, okay, how much money do I really need? And if it's motivated just by money, you get to a point where you're like, I made the money and I don't care that I made it. I bought some things, I could afford some things, but like, how come I don't feel the way I thought I would feel when I got here? Because on the journey, I wasn't making the memories that I wanted to make. I wasn't creating the life that I wanted to create. I wasn't being the person that I wanted to be. Yeah. And so much of, and I think this is really probably a common thing for a lot of my listeners as well too, is that, you know, we are conditioned from a very early age as in you do do well in school, you know, go to university, get a good job, earn good money, 
And then you just fall in line with that path. And like, this was so true for me. I did all the right things. You know, I got to this place that I thought I wanted to get there. And then I looked around and I was like, OMG, like, okay, I'm making good money. I have a really good title. You know, I'm leading teams. I work for a big company. And yeah, this isn't it. And my soul is getting crushed. Right, exactly. (laughs) My soul is like literally leaving my body as we're speaking, (laughs) right? Like every day that I, you know, and, but I, you never, ever think that there's another option along the way, like, because this is what you do. You go to school, you get, you don't dream, you don't think you just follow the path. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you get to that place. And by that point, your identity is so wrapped up in the things that you've been doing, the roles, like you're a mom, you know, you're an accountant, you're an executive, you're like, whatever, you know, you're a daughter, you're a sister. And that becomes what defines you. And because we've never been taught to dream and, and, and mm-hmm. our self-identities are so one-dimensional right? Mm -hmm. Like they're so one dimensional. Mm -hmm. We get to this point where like, okay, now we need to start exploring other parts of who we are because this is not just it. And how do we do that? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think the soul, right? The soul wakes us up in one way or another, whether it's like the soul crushing job or some kind of illness creeps in or some kind of un, you know, un, predictable loss happens, Mm -hmm. like things happen around. And I think, you know, sometimes earlier, which is also really hard. And those people are really special, like in determining their path, but sometimes around midlife, often these things happen where the end of a relationship happens and our soul starts to wake up and we start to wake up and we start to be like, this isn't, this isn't what I, what I wanted. And this is, and this is why the grief work is so important because there's a lot of loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations. I thought this was going to be enough. Yes. I thought that this was going to fulfill me. I thought that this would be it, and it's not. And like, what do I do now, right? So that's why closing, closing and completing really changes who we are because we start to let go. We start to let go of those things, and we start to allow something new to emerge because we've let that go. And people really fight to hang on to things that, are not good for them. Yeah. Because it's all they know, right? Because <laughs> it's all they know. Because we have those yeah. trauma bonds and we're loyal to our pain. And we have a loyalty to the people even who caused our pain, right? Unconsciously. Yeah. So letting go of that can be really, really hard. And But I do think it's one of the like foundational points of creating a new beingness. Yeah. And coming all the way back to leading yourself out of it, right? Yeah. 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 It's like the everywhere I go, there I am story, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And then we can get, we can get to a place, you know, with different kinds of support, I think, and different people to calibrate to. Cause we're, if we're also surrounded by people who are in that place, it's also hard. You know, if you're right. surrounded by complainers and blamers and just people who are tolerating their life that they're not really loving, it's also just hard. You know, you need something to rise to. You need something to, to pull yourself up from. So it's important to, to be around those kinds of people to also support you in getting out because For sure. it can be addictive to be in that place and, and stay in that place a long time. Well, and often the people around you have a vested interest in you being the way that you are. 100%. Right. Serves so, for sure. yeah, absolutely. So, it's hard to pull yourself out if you don't have, again, if you don't have a dream, if you don't have a, a model or, you know, like all yeah. the things you were talking about, like you need to see. And this was exactly, this is exactly what happened for me. And this is a whole, this is the whole reason behind my work is, you know, I wasn't listening to the messages that were coming to me. It took me becoming physically burnt out and sick, losing my job, you know, and mm-hmm. lying in bed 
for like months on end feeling sorry for myself going, I'm starting my life over at 50. Like, what the hell am I going to do? Right. And then started to, you know, after a while started to pull myself out of it. I'm like, okay, where are all the 50 year old women who are starting over? And then I'm like, crickets, there's nobody. Right. And then I was like, but they have to exist. Like they have to. So let me go find them. And this was the whole Mm. reason for this podcast and the work that I do is because I'm like, women need to see that it doesn't matter what age you are. You can recreate who you are. You can recreate your life. You can recreate part Mm -hmm. of your life. Anything is available to you if you will just, Mm -hmm. you know, let go of your identity, lead yourself, just like you mm-hmm. said, forward, like have a dream um, yeah. and, and do the work, right? But it's Yeah, and that's time. how you collapse time, right? Is like, yeah. if you're worried about time and you're worried about like you wasted so much time or you didn't have enough time, it's like the more you, the more you do of what feels good, the less time matters, right? Isn't that the truth? <laughs> that is the less, the less worried you are about how much time you have or don't have. You're just like more and more in the moment as you align your life to the life that you actually desire. Yeah. Yeah. That is so, so, so true. Another tweetable. Look, there's so many good ones. <laughs> um, yeah. So this whole concept of collapsing time is super interesting to me because that's where we often get caught up. It's like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm 50. I'm, you know, I'm 45. Like, I don't have too much time left. What's the point? But the idea yeah. that you, like, time is, like, we are the creators of time. Mm-hmm. Like, we create our own time. And I know mm-hmm. that's kind of might be sound out there for some mm-hmm. people listening. But, like, we create time. Time, like, we think time controls us. We, in fact, control time. And I 100% believe that. 100% because it's all about how you, it is, you know, our lifetime is, is finite, right? There's, mm-hmm. there, yep. there's a finiteness to, to how long we're going to live. But have you ever had a day that was just like a marvelous day that was so slow? And you're like, wow, it's only new. Like when people go on vacation, like time yeah. seems to stand <laughs> yeah, still. True. They're like, it's only noon. And I feel like I've been awake for eight hours on this beach <laughs> right. and like nothing has happened. And it's so amazing, right? Because it's all about our perception of how mm. we spend that time. And, you know, the grief work is what we do to let go of this, the chapters that have passed that we might have like anger or sadness or resentment about how that was spent. Um, or making peace with that. But then moving forward, we get to create things in alignment that maybe don't happen overnight. But the more that we live in alignment with our truth and emotional honesty, which I think is a huge conditioning piece too, Mm. that women especially take on, you know, everyone's getting the Oscar award, you know, Oscar for I'm fine. Everything's fine. Oh yeah. We're masters of that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When, Emotional dishonesty just can't create alignment. You can't have, you know, people are like, how do you get into alignment? Start being emotionally honest. That's how you get into alignment. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. Like, I love how this conversation has kind of come full circle because it's like all the stuff that we've been talking about and money is literally just one other in the giant Mm -hmm. engine, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just a reflection back to you of misalignment in your life or Mm -hmm. stuck energy, stuck grief. And, you know, by the time you reach forties, I think you would be hard pressed to find a person on the planet who hasn't got some level of grief stuff somewhere into their body. Oh yeah. Like there's probably nobody, although they probably don't know it and like they wouldn't call it that, right? Yeah, yeah. But there has to be, there can't be a person on this planet who's walking around without some kind of grief inside. No, them. I, I mean, it's like, you know, if you think about kids who are like, well, you didn't make my spaghetti the same way the second day. <laughs> There's grief around the spaghetti not being the same. <laughs> Any change from the familiar 
can cause grief. grief. And that's normal and natural. And if we didn't shut that down, we would recover so much faster, right? Yeah. And all like all calibration is about is how fast can you recover? Because right. nobody's in a static state of happiness all the time. It's how fast they recover. Right. Are they still sitting here weeping over the pandemic? Not that you can't be, please go ahead and do. But maybe they just like moved on, moved on, moved on, moved on. Like yeah. maybe they're just calibrating. They're feeling the feeling and they're moving on. They're not, not feeling the feeling. They're feeling it and they're moving on. Yeah. So it's a level of resilience, basically. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, money is energy, just like everything else, mm-hmm. grief and everything else that we experience, um, it all comes back to the same principles. Well, yeah. And money has a lot to do with power, right? Money is about mm-hmm. power when it comes down to the brass tacks. Money is about power and it's about personal power. If we don't feel really powerful in this world, we probably can't command a lot of money. Right. And it's hard to feel powerful if you're not a leader, as you said, or le- at least leading yourself. Leading yourself. Right. Yeah. And all, and I, it comes back to, and this is another conversation that I have a lot is like, think about all the ways we give our power away. Mm-hmm. Right. Like when mm-hmm. we're saying yes, when we want to say no, when we're, mm-hmm. you know, yes. allowing money, like I can't do this because yes. I don't have enough money or like all of that is literally giving our power away. Yeah. Honestly. Which, which affects how we're able to then command it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's, again, a big part of the work that I do is around like, how do you collect your power back so that you can move forward? Because otherwise, how, how do you have the energy to be able to start stepping into something new when you've like literally just handing it out on the street corner? You're like, want some, want some? Yeah. Like, Who wants? Who yeah. wants some of this? Yeah. And as women, <laughs> we are so damn good at handing our power to think people yeah. and things all the time, even handing our power over to the way we look. Mm-hmm. Right? Like my body doesn't line up with, you know, the way my body did when it was 20. I'm like, well, you're yeah. not 20, right? Yeah. But it's the same thing. We are literally giving our power away to a societal standard that is pretty much impossible for us to maintain. 100%. So true. Yeah. It's so, it's so fascinating. It's just so fascinating. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk all day. I know. We really could. It's yeah. like just anyway. So how, um, it's an amazing conversation. We might have to have part two. I say this a lot. I'm going to be having part two up on my conversations because I just get so into this stuff. So if people want to find out more, how to get more about you or the work that you do, where yeah. is the best place? For just you? Fa- you can follow me on Facebook or on Instagram, Agnes Kowalski and my website, agneskowalski.com. Right. And you do one-on-one and group coaching. Is that right? I do. Yeah. I do okay. one-on-one in groups. I'm have no groups going at the moment, like no open groups at the moment. I'm not feeling them lately. Oh. <laughs> That's just my design. I got to go with what's in my design, but you never know. I could have another one popping up soon. I was, I was vibing into it, but not quite at this moment, but maybe when you're listening to this, there will be. Yeah. So definitely check it out. Um, but I have some other options that aren't quite as, um, that are somewhere in between. Okay. All right. Cool. cool. So everybody go uh, check out Agnes Kowalski on Facebook, Instagram, anywhere else. And just my website, www.agneskowalski.com. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for thank having this conversation. You, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in. 